You're listening to the 48 Hour Podcast, the official podcast of the 48 Hour Competition, where teams all around Aotearoa write, shoot and edit a film in 48 hours. Richard Faulkner has entered the 48 Hours 11 times. He's taken on many roles, including writer, actor, sound design, and writing and performing original scores. This year, Richard took on a mountain of a challenge. He made a film in 48 hours by himself. He signed up for Ultra, which meant he had to make a sequel to a previous film. And he was also parenting his three-year-old son for some of the weekend. His film was called Scobies, and its original and bizarre plot featured two kombucha jars and their scobies plotting to take over a host body. If it sounds strange, it is. In this episode, Sam Harris from Squint Eastwood talks to Richard Faulkner from the Wellington team, Temple of Solitude. Okay, welcome to the official 48 Hours podcast. My name's Sam Harris, I'm from the team Squint Eastwood, and joining me today is a man who's been involved in several successful teams, both large and small, uh, Richard Faulkner. Hello, Richard. Hello, Sam. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Woo, very good. It's uh, slightly early. It's, yep, it's a Saturday morning. We're conducting this interview from opposite sides of the globe, uh, me being based in London and Richard in Wellington. Yeah, opposite time zones. Yep, lots, lots of fun, lots of fun. Um, how long have you been doing the competition, Richard? Uh, let's see, so my, my first year was 2004, which I think was the second year that there was a Wellington competition or something like that. Um, yeah, I'd got back from, i just just moved back from Melbourne. Um, I've been living over there for three and a half years, and um, just before I came back, I was staying at my friend Toby Melissa's place, and um, before I came, about a week before I came back, they were like, hey, there's this weird competition. We're thinking of entering it. Do you want to do that? And so I came back, and um, yeah, the night after I got back, uh, we started 48 Hours. That was Empire of Reason. And uh, yeah, so that was a name that Toby just invented when he did his entry. And um, our first year, our first entry was our most successful one for years. Uh, how to deal with the situation. So that was a sort of a, a throw together of a uh, really small team. It was um, the three of us, Toby, Melissa and I, and uh, Toby's little brothers, one little brother, Tom, uh, who shot it. And uh, Nula came in for a shot and my friend Steph came in for a shot. And uh, Dick White, uh, who lectures in uh, film, I think, at um, Vic now, um, he was living through the wall and he came over and wrote it with us and he was, uh, yeah, an epic writer. And um, yeah, that was cool. We made this little film called How to Deal with the Situation. Um, this is back in, you know, DV tape days. Uh, and I miss those days. Yeah. Oh man, I don't, I don't miss that last hour of the competition. That was horrible. Printing to tape. Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm happy we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Very, very four by three, very, um, you know, 720 by 576. Um, excuse me, I'm probably a bit snuffly. Uh, and yeah, we made this little educational video. Uh, it was the year 2004 was Terry Spears. You had to have uh, a baby. You had to have uh, the line, put that down nice and easy. We got educational film, uh, and yeah, we did this weird sort of surreal educational thing. And we got uh, second in Wellington, and we got second to Heinous Crime by Taika. Oh, brilliant. Um, which was obviously, yeah, epic and hilarious, uh, but it was kind of conspicuously lo-fi, which was awesome, uh, but there was a bit of a, you know, people got a bit in a, um, you know, thing about that it was lo-fi and it won, which obviously 
it was hilarious so yeah but yeah so he came second to that so that sort of um that was a bit of a bit of an epic start and um yeah <laughs> that was a long build to equal it so you've entered every year since then you haven't skipped a year no i've skipped a couple of years i think um we did the year after that and then we did the year after that and then i think i skipped a year and then the year after that i think was my first year with um traces of nut yeah so tell me about um working with traces of nut how did that how did that come about Right, so Traces of Nut was, um, Dean caught up with me, I think it was 2007, uh, and he tapped me to be in his play Brainpower, which was at Bats for Fringe, and he'd seen uh, how to deal with the situation, because he was a uh, 48 hours early adopter as well, and um, yeah, and he loved that, he'd always thought that was great, so he he's one of those people that really, you know, uh, gets keeps it he and his ear close to the ground on 48 hours for a long time you know and um yeah so he was keen on that so that was rad and um yeah had a read of that and it was epic uh so jumped in and then dean and i sort of uh you know i did a lot of stuff with dean from there on in yeah that would have been the first year we did it with ruth as well was that half a horse yeah that was half a horse so that was yeah sort of an unfortunate start. Well, I mean, you could say that, but I think Half a Horse has got a reputation as a bit of a classic of the competition, really. Yeah, true. Despite never having been in competition, because yeah, well, yeah. well, we'll we'll talk a bit about more more about that in a minute. Uh, the whole being out of the competition thing yeah. from stride to stride with Traces of Nut. Obviously, um, the team has done very well over the years, um, and it made uh, it took out the whole competition in 2013. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, that was that was huge because obviously forty eight hours had been pretty defining for you know for in our late twenties, like and I guess early thirties. Um, yeah, forty eight hours became quite a big thing, really. Um, and out of the out of the forty eight hours competition came the make my movie thing, um, which uh, we which was a second competition that Ant Run ran, where you uh, had the potential to win. Uh, $100,000 to make a feature film, as you know, uh, as you were involved in it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we were lucky enough to enter and win that as Traces of Nut, um, based on pretty much a team. Do you think your success with, with 48 Hours helped you kind of nab, nab that um, uh, victory with Make My Movie? I'd say it absolutely built the team, yeah, 100%. Um, so that was that was awesome. And I mean, that's a really good example of how Ants, you know, how 48 Hours and um, Make My Movie uh, as a further thing to that really ha- is like a really foundational way of actually building New Zealand's film community. So we, we'd just come off the back of that. We'd had this completely insane year of, um, making this film just full time on no money sort of thing. And so we were probably as much of a well-oiled team as you could really hope for. And of course for 48 hours, we sort of had to step, um, away from some of the kind of, uh, bells and whistles that we'd had and go back to sort of 48 hours thing but we yeah we were just kind of came back together and and smashed it out and um it was just one of those things where you're kind of like oh this is a good combination of things i was a bit tired and uh had a few too many beers on writing night if i'm going to be completely honest and i wasn't <laughs> there was times when i was pretty unconvinced that um yeah i wasn't a, a great cog in the writing machine <laughs> on that <laughs> entry i have to say but um but yeah, it was pretty cool. And as soon as you saw it coming together, it was like, sweet, this is this is definitely got potential. 
There's always that thing when you're making a film, isn't it, where it's it, when it's kind of in pieces, that's when you feel the darkest about it and you're like, oh, I really don't see how this is going to work. But then as more and more of it gets shot or made and you start to see it take form, then you just get so excited and so pumped. Yeah, totally. It's that, um, that phrase, you know, um, uh, the sum being more than its parts. Wait, hang on. Again, this is an early morning, haven't had enough coffee thing. Being more than the sum of its parts, I think. But um, yeah, you know, like when you've got all the bits, yeah, like you say, on the floor, the jigsaw pieces... And it's that thing of like, you know, there's the writing stage and the shooting stage and the edit stage all being quite distinct, you know, and this being prepared to let the story shift. Yeah. But I mean, of course, it's not so much the case of 48 hours, but um, yeah, but when you see it coming together and when, you know, things, those, those sort of epic layers of sort of finish, you know, like when the first time you see the edit sort of tight. And you're like, ooh, that works. And then you start getting sound effects or visuals in there. And, you know, it starts all... And you get those moments where you hear the sound design for the first time. And you're like, oh, wow, that gives it so much more weight and depth, you know. Or soundtrack, score, and, and you know, all those additions that, yeah. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, could you just tell me a bit about some of the roles you played? Because um, people in, in Wellington will obviously know you as, a, as an actor. Uh, but you also do uh, sound design and you're a writer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do. Um, I do. I've been writing with um, with Traces of Nut since Half a Horse and um, on and off, and with Empire of Reason, and did How to Meet Girls, which was pretty epic. And Dean and I are still doing a bunch of writing, and still do sound design and recording stuff, kind of home studio kind of styles. I've been doing that for years, and uh, that that sort of took a little bit of a hiatus when uh, we had a kid a couple of years ago. Uh, as is kind of common uh but yeah sort of uh getting back into that to a certain extent these days doing uh, still sound design and, and stuff uh which is heaps of fun and a little bit of music i used to do a lot of uh fair bit of uh scoring and and music and and bits and pieces which has taken i'm sadly still on hiatus from music to a large extent doing a little bit of music and kazam blam yeah kazam blam hasn't seen any action well, he made it off the planet and he's never come back. Shame. <laughs> Which is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> hopefully he'll come back one day. I hope so too. Um, so after 2013 and the, the big success that was uh, The Sleeping Plot, um, you actually went back to Empire of Reason. You kind of stripped it back and, and had a small team with Toby again. Um, mm. What made you decide to do that? Well, that was kind of like a... Um, well, I totally just missed Toby <laughs> and making stuff with Toby, apart from anything else. Um, but also it was kind of like we'd, we'd gone to, I'd been doing heaps of stuff with Dean and Traces of Nut, you know, like we'd just been through the, that whole make my movie uh, grinder and stuff. And so like I sort of had been to kind of obviously not big scale, but in terms of my kind of worldview at the time, uh, it's kind of, you know, kind of a much bigger machine. And in terms of the 48 hour kind of origins, I was kind of, part of me wanted to get back to that tiny little kind of two man kind of scenario. Um, or yeah, the smaller team sort of thing. And, um, that combined with, uh, wanting to work with Toby again, um, made me wanted to do, want to go back to, uh, empire of reason. And yeah, Toby only wanted, he's only into the competition just for the fun of it. Just for basically, yeah, just coming up with an insane idea on Friday night and then just seeing how ridiculous you can make it by Sunday night sort of thing which is a cool philosophy I think and I think it's um I, I find it heaps with music when you're listening to um bands that start off really lo-fi 
and then as they get more successful they get more and more bells and whistles in the recording studio and become sort of sort of polished into this horrible mainstream sort of turd you know and it's like (laughs) I always go back to the early recordings and it's all that nasty dusty scratchy recording stuff that always has some magic for me so it's kind of a desire to kind of actively pursue that so going back to it was kind of like doing your uh, follow-up album as kind of a stripped back acoustic version yeah yeah I guess so yeah yeah and it's funny because I've never I've never felt that central to to the success so I, I never feel like it's like a departure going back to the loaf I think but yeah anyway do you do you enjoy being in a small team better do you find uh the kind of creative control like more fun uh yeah 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 yep definitely it's just different I guess I mean um there is the aspect that um traces of nut is you know it's it's directed by Dean and it's you know it's um it's kind of Dean's predominantly I think it'd be fair to say it's definitely a collaboration. It's absolutely, but you know, like he's directing and stuff and I've never, you know, as things have progressed for me, cause the first, that first 48 hours was kind of really my first kind of fully involved film project really in a way I'd sort of done bits and pieces before that, but I'd never made a short film from start to finish. Um, and yeah, so as things have progressed, I've sort of, wanted a bit more control as things have gone on a little bit so sort of yeah in a way it's kind of a pursuit of kind of uh yeah getting a little bit more of a hand on it myself but um this year is the only year I've actually directed with um with with Empire of Reason we've we've never had our credits list is always just our names in alphabetical order I think um yeah we we just we don't even assign credits because we're just like yeah, everybody does everything, and it, which is a terrible, is absolutely not a recommended way to pursue any kind of <laughs> creative collaboration. Um, so tell me about this year. You you decided to go from a, a small team to a, a very small team. Yeah, well, I've kind of always wanted to, you know, like because um, with the small with the one man team, there's just that kind of I don't know if if you get the same thing as a one man team, but that question of um, can I, you know, like I want to find out if I even can, you know, uh, cause it's, there's, I find like every element of filmmaking, uh, fascinating and fun and really satisfying to try. And, um, they're all fun activities, you know, every, yeah. from writing to editing to shooting to, they're all fun things to do. So I always find whenever I'm on any kind of shoot, I'm always like, have a look at the camera, you know, have a look at the camera department and go, oh, look at them jealous <laughs> look at the art department and go oh, look at all the fun they have in the art department you know, it's, it's kind of like my dream is to kind of do all of them but which is a ridiculous yeah yeah and then there's a logistical question of kind of like is it actually feasible to to get from friday night to sunday night and actually do it all yourself well yeah i mean did you find any, any weak spots that you didn't know you had oh yeah so many <laughs> like all of them um <laughs> Mostly, I mean, I'd say the biggest weak spot is just sustaining your brain and your decision making towards the end of Sunday. It's just like my mind just started completely disintegrating. <laughs> I'm gonna be completely honest. Like, man, I was just, just like, like things like, um, uh, ultimately, this is probably meant to be the big reveal of the episode for people that don't know. But yeah, ultimately, I disqualified myself by not including the Wilhelm scream. 
and that was just a complete my mind had just melted by that point and like i had treated it you know i'd already run it through a plugin in pro tools and treated it i t- reversed it i knew exactly the spot on my online wrap-up form i'd put in the time code where i was going to pl- place it and um and from there it was just like you know you sort of have those sort of mental checklists and i, I actually had a physical checklist as well you know the handy wrap-up sheet or whatever and i'd actually because i'd had it so well prepared i i highlighted it and um from there and i ended up having another issue with another sound effect that i needed to get because I was doing ultra and I had to include a sound uh, from a previous film and I became, and that was the one that I was having trouble getting access to. So I got distracted by that and um, yeah, forgot to put in the original one. So man, what, so what was that moment like when you just kind of like, cause you got it in on time. Yeah. And then you discovered after the fact that you, yeah, I got it in on time and um, got to the finish line and was talking to uh, a friend at the finish line and like by that point basically it was kind of like everything i was hearing was kind of like you know charlie brown's teacher it was a little bit like that but i heard wilhelm scream and i was like so ah and i was like it was when you're that sleep deprived it's kind of a gentle it's not like a horrible jolt of realization it was kind of like a I don't know, crashing a car with the ABS on, you know, it's like you skid to a halt and you do hit the wall, but it's somewhat buffered by sort of your nice braking system of sleep deprivation. And yeah, it was just like, ah, yeah, the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, I think it's it's not natural for the human brain to kind of focus on on one thing so intently for such a long period of time and things things break. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you just end up having to switch priorities so much, especially when you're when you're doing it. Yeah, when you're doing the one man show, away, it's just like you're just jumping. Got so many hats, you can't. You know, you lose a fedora somewhere along the line, and that's it. What were some of the other kind of phys- physical challenges of doing um, a one man show? Like, how did you do things like get focused on yourself and the camera? Were there any kind of things like that that tripped you up? Yeah, well, that was pretty interesting because, um, oh man, really early on. Um, Pretty much as soon as I started shooting, I was setting up and that's the shoot is where you realize, oh shit, you know, like it really dawns on you that normally, you know, normally I'd be sitting there talking shit and somebody else would be moving lights and stuff. But, you know, normally on a, on a set, you know, it's a hive of activity and one person's checking focus and other person's moving the lights, you know, somebody's watching on a monitor, actors are rehearsing and stuff. But every, if I was doing anything then nothing else is happening essentially so that was a bit of an issue but i did have one the one uh, salvation i had from that was um did a short film a couple of years ago with um dean and ruth called um judgment tavern in which uh i play a magically animated uh severed head and um kind of a key prop for that was um the severed head which is a photorealistic um cast of my head uh rendered in some kind of silicon alginate stuff um and yeah ruth got to keep it because she was the producer of the film so uh, we've got this weird uh severed version of my head at home and 
because I had to do focus checks because it was on DSLR and you know you have that depth of focus issue. Um, I had this head and I stuck it on a um, speaker stand and was able to just actually stick that in the exact position. Oh no way! Yeah, it was awesome, and I'd like li- it was awesome. I'd line it up with like some kind of visual thing that I knew I could like a mark that I could physically meet if I had to walk into shot or something like a table edge in the periphery of my vision or whatever and I'd line it up with that and then get focus and then yeah take it out and then hit that mark and it was pretty much meant that I knew I'd have focus every time because like the nose length was exactly right and stuff so that was pretty handy so that's sheer brilliance yeah I was pretty stoked with that yeah this year they um added the optional kind of nightmare mode of uh doing ultra for the first time yeah. Uh, now, this is kind yeah. of funny. When um, I heard about Ultra, I was considering doing it, uh, but I emailed Ruth and I said, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing Ultra, but I'm uh, a one-man solo team. Is there anything in there that's going to kind of screw me? And she said, well, Richard's a one-man team. He's doing Ultra, so if you don't do it, you're a chicken. That's and so uh, I've got like a Marty McFly thing where that's like a trigger for me, so I had to, I had to do it. Oh, they played us off against each other, bro. Yeah. They, that's exactly what she did to me. Really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she said, oh, Sam's going to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, evil, eh? And guess what? They did screw us. Yes, female. That- Fem- I'm, I, I can't... Ha- well, to be fair, that wasn't an ultra uh, requirement. That was a sort of stock standard requirement. Well, that's true. But, yeah, that was that was, that was was the first sharp intake of breath. I was like, <gasps> you know, I was like, I knew I'd committed to filming on a DSLR, and I knew that I was, I was the only cast. Did that help and you kind of shape the story? It... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it did. I mean, it meant that my I ended up using two female characters as my uh, protagonists with a vo- vo- speech to text uh, generator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which man, that slowed me down. Something chronic, really. But yeah, uh, the speech to text thing, yeah, ended up being um, a massive thing. Yeah, that was a huge. Slowdown. I would have thought you just type type it and let it go. I typed it and let it go, but then uh, it just comes out way too Stephen Hawkins, like for film. Like right. it was like, you know, like. I'm almost ready for you to drink my nectar again, Harper. You mindless ape, man. And every line just sounds like that. And I was like, eh, this sucks. So I had to take it into Ableton and um, basically modulate with... I had to automate the emotional modulation of each line. So I'd sort of, with little, you know, with generating little lines in the automation, I'd be, I'm almost ready for you to drink my nectar again, Harper. You mindless ape man. And like, you know, total trial and error going back and forth. Uh, yeah. It was, Automated emotional modulation. Yeah, it was took while. And that was one of those things where that was a Sunday afternoon thing. And I was like, I probably could have got by with the Stephen Hawkins version. But I was like, yeah. no, I've got to make it perfect. And it's that, no, I've got to make it perfect angle that always kills you in 48 hours. And I didn't have the, yeah, didn't have the wherewithal to deal with that at that point. So let's just uh, talk about all the kind of eggs you had to throw into this pudding with all the different uh, required elements. You had to uh, have a female character. It had yes. to be a sequel to one of your previous films. Yep. Uh, was there ever was there much of a decision there? Did you know which, was, which film you were going to do a sequel from? Uh, no, yeah. So I, I was, I got so angry when I read that because I was just like, Ruth, Ruth, you convinced me to do Ultra. Because I should also, um, you know, uh, probably clarify that whole scenario that Ruth Corver is my partner and she runs the Wellington competition with Ness Patia. And, um, yeah, so there was kind of, you know, she, she, I was like, yeah, I have to be a little bit careful to enter and make sure that, you know, 
I'm not party to anything that could create any real or perceived conflicts of interest or anything, you know. Of course, and, yeah. And of, of course, the main thing is I have to make sure that I don't somehow cheat. Um, so yeah, Ruth doesn't tell me anything about it and she didn't tell me anything about Ultra. I was like, should I do this? You know, even a little bit, I was like, uh, is this something I want to do, Ruth? And she was just like, no, nah, I can't tell you anything. You know, you just have to decide on your own, which was good. And I did, and I did do it. And it totally screwed me <laughs> for that, for that first hour, for the first hour, I was actually angry. Like the first couple of texts to Ruth, I was like angry. Cause I was like, my whole plan was the kombucha thing with um, making a movie about Scobies was pretty much, you know, I thought, cause I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do 48 hours by myself. I need some way of doing this where I can have multiple characters you know, I was like, am I going to animate it? No, I don't think I've got, I don't think I can do anything with motion graphics. that's going to like be successful or, I, and I don't think I'll be fast enough. So I was like, what if I just stuck weird faces on top of Scobies and made a weird movie about Scobies? And I was like, yeah, I was pretty high at the time. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be great. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then enter ultra. And it's like, you've got to make a, you've got to make a sequel to one of your previous films. And I'm like, ah, and at that point I was like, ah, so yeah, my, my options at that point were scrap the Scobies and do how to deal with the situation. Um, and in terms of the other things that I had to include, so I got Christmas movie. That's a bummer right there. Yeah, no, I was just like, oh fuck. Um, Christmas movie and had to have a female character. So, I'm sort of bound by those two already had to make a sequel to a previous film and yeah, tough, tough gigs. And also I didn't read the instructions very well cause I was a bit panicky and my interpreter, I, I actually still think this is the best interpretation of the rule was that if you actually read that sentence, literally of the ultra description, you have to, Go back, you use the genre from your 2017 entry, and then you go back and use the required elements from the, from the year that you're making a sequel of. Yeah. Well, by my interpretation, the genre is one of the elements. I thought that too. So I read it. Yeah, so I reused the genre as well, um, just to be careful. So I ended up making a cat and mouse Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. And you had to have yeah. uh, two compulsory technical elements that were kind of in conflict with each other. Is that right? Like a smash cut and a, a, a match cut? Yeah, I, yeah for, I did 2015, so it was a match cut. And then 2017 was a smash cut. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that didn't worry me too much because they're just kind of like, you can just, you know, you can do them in post if you want, you know, really. But yeah. um, although I actually, I ended up stabilizing a few things and trying to... Um, yeah, I actually accidentally stabilized one of my um, match cuts, uh, crash, uh, smash cuts out of the film. Smash, I, cr- crash, zoom cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did one of them in camera and I accidentally stabilized that out of existence. But fortunately I had another one, so I didn't disqualify myself twice. In, in, the, in the credits of your film, you mention, um, thanks to some uh, last minute uh, post-production support from, from Toby. Toby. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. happened there? What, what was the moment where you realized you kind of had to call on the A-team? Oh man. Okay. So um, one thing was that like having a three-year-old, I was like, there's no way. Like Ruth was going to be away Friday night doing the launch. So I watched that from home. Uh, my son, Red, was actually out of the house 
on a sleepover thanks to old Traces of Nut Friends, uh, Bonnie and Eugene Beckinsall. So I didn't actually have read, so that was good. Um, so I was able to write on Friday night, but um, to keep myself free of distractions for the rest of the weekend, um, Toby and Melissa have a little bed sit underneath their house, so I went and borrowed that. Um, and Toby kept on um, coming down and checking on me and you know touching base and bringing me bits of coffee and whatnot. And um, yeah, so he popped down at one point and he was like, he just couldn't resist. On on the night, I showed him the rough cut on Saturday night and he was like, this is cool. And he was like, do you want me to just just quickly go through and tighten a couple of things? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, if you want, that'd be cool. He was like, it's just, you know, it's not really help. You don't have to put me in the credits or anything. And we were like, we sort of had a bit of an ethical discussion about it. I was like, at what point, don't do much because if you do much, then I can't really... I can say thanks up to a point, and then at some point I'm going to have to give you a credit. And he was like, yeah, 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 no, that's cool. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just tinker around the edges. And then eventually it was, you know, I started getting into the sound. And I think by that point I was kind of balls deep in doing this text-to-speech stuff, and it was taking a lot longer than I anticipated. And at that point I hadn't comped the, um, comped the little eyes on. I'd done one shot of the eyes. So I knew I had the system, you know, I knew how I was going to do it. But he was like, bro, you're not going to have time to do this if you're spending all this time on this. Because we were kind of like midday Sunday sort of at this point. And he was like, nah, I'm going to have to do this. And I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely going to have to. Yeah, he, he basically tightened things up and added the eyes predominantly and the title. Um, right. So yeah, it was, it was an absolute lifesaver. And yeah, it was kind of early to mid-Sunday where it became clear that, yeah, it was going to have to be more than just a, more than just a help. And um, yeah, that was another, he was like, when I was like, dude, I'm going to have to put you on the credits. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> you know, he was really like, didn't want to ruin my one man kind of scenario. Yeah. But yeah, but it was like, nah. You've totally, one man with a little help. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was quite a lot of help, really. But, are you going to yeah. uh, do, are you going to enter in the, again in the future? And if so, are you going to do a, a solo team again? Yeah, it's, um, I'd be pretty tempted to be honest, I feel like my health is only just recovering now. Like it was pretty chronic that weekend. Um, but cause it doesn't get any easier as you get older. Eh? Like, how, how much sleep did you get? Uh, not, it wasn't too bad. Like I think I got on the Friday night, I got a good three or four hours or something. It wasn't too bad. I think I finished writing at like half three and got up at like seven, maybe started shooting. So that's actually, Three and a half a year. Yeah. And then f- Saturday night, I got like the classic two, two and a half, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so that's, that's it, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So what will you do differently if you, um, if you do it again as a solo team or uh, as a small Empire of Reason sized team? I think the best approach for a one man team using a camera would be to do a one shot film, you know, right. do some kind of epic performance based yeah you know hit record and then call it a day you know do 16 takes and call it a day four hours later sort of thing and then just focus on post because there was there's no music either in my film you know if you could actually sit down and score something that'd be pretty cool but that was never gonna happen but yeah so yeah but then also with that said as a one-man team if you're gonna do that then you can only have one character so Unless well, I mean, you... if you look at some of Taika's films, he kind of like puts a wig on or like changes his facial hair. That's true. 
Oh, hang on. <laughs> My son's calling me. I'll just be one tick, okay? Sure. I'll be uh, on sleep recording. All right, sorry about that. That's all good. Um, yeah, we should probably start wrapping this up anyway. Um, yeah, so, true. where was I? Uh, what would you do differently next time if you're doing solo again? Yeah, I guess um, I'd uh, probably, in a nutshell, try and make it more simple in post or try and make it faster in production, I guess. If, if there are any kind of first timers uh, or people thinking about doing the competition for the first time, listeners, uh, what kind of advice would you have to them, like whether they were thinking of doing it as a solo team or just in general? I reckon the primary advice for everybody ever in 48 hours is that ultimately it's a writing competition, really. If um, you can have the raddest post and the greatest looking shots in the world, but if your story sucks, it's never going to get, might not even get to the regional finals, you know? Yeah. Um, you've got to have a good story that's fun. I mean, it doesn't have to be fun. It can be harrowing and emotional if it's really, really good. But it's got to be good. Yeah, that's it, ultimately, I reckon, is you can shoot something completely wacky on your cell phone if you want, and that should always have the capacity to win if the story is really good. Yeah, I reckon that's the number one thing, man, for 48 hours, is just make your story good. (laughs) What are some of your favourite films that you've seen from other teams over the years? Right, um, God... They merge somewhat. It's been awesome. I've loved watching Moffalade grow over the years, you know, and like watching, um, watch their films are just so much fun, you know, like they're so good natured. Um, they're such a good time. Um, Squint Eastwood, I love what you guys have been doing. Oh, thank you. I can't, I haven't had a chance to see you on this year. I can't wait to see it. Uh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. A harrowing, unethical treat. It'll be, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, and let's see what else. There was that finger dance one years back. Did oh, puppy guts, that? F dance. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, the puppy guts, F dance. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome time. So it was one of those ones where you look at it and you just go, ah, oh, yeah, genius. You know, where you just go, ah, oh, you guys came up with a great. There's idea. a certain spirit, isn't um, there, to 48 hour films? Yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, uh, one of the greatest goals. Um, when you're making a 48 hour film and it's another kind of good guide as well as if you can make a film that can survive outside the competition, you know, if you can make a film that stands up as a short film in its own right, um, that's kind of a really awesome achievement. Like we've had, um, one of our best little gauges of our own success over the years has been a couple, um, first half a horse blew our minds when it actually survived it won a comedy film fest somewhere. And, um, the sleeping plot had a little bit of success as a as a short film as well outside forty eight hours, and it's that's so awesome because it, I mean it makes it more sustainable and it it just shows that it, you're not bound by the competition. But with that said, <laughs> some of my forty eight hour films, like I haven't actually done it this year, and I, have, I haven't actually done it for a few years, unfortunately. But um, going along to the heats and just some of my favourites, in fact, a lot of my favourites have been crazy stuff that people make and submit you know in 48 hours that just boggles your mind with what part of a human brain can come up with that you know that you know the high school team stuff that sort of like getting into the depths of the sort of teenage psyche and stuff that you yeah pl- it's so much fun like it cracks you up too and shonky camera work and stuff and bad sound i love all of that that's great it cracks me up 
Well, Richard, I could talk to you about this kind of stuff for hours, but we better wrap this up. Um, thank you yeah. so much for joining me on this podcast. It's been great. Sweet, man. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, good to talk to you. And I'll catch you probably next time you're in New Zealand, hopefully. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Richard had a huge challenge this year, and I loved hearing how he overcame the challenges of filming himself. In next week's episode, Richard Faulkner will talk to Moffalade, the 2017 Wellington winners, about the history of Moffalade and winning the Wellington final. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also find more about the 48 Hours on our website, 48hours.co.nz.